Welcome to Galaxy of Unity talk shows, everybody. I am Apollos Mandelian, also known as Galaxy Rose, and we are here today with our special guest, Ileana the Star Traveler, who I have been waiting to do this interview with <laughs> for so long, ever since we had a shared interview. And thank you so much for joining us today. I am very excited to get to some topics that we're going to be talking about. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to be back on your show this time. Yeah. I'm Eliana, the Star Traveler. I'm a psychic. I'm a hypnosis practitioner. I am also a remote viewer, Kashuk Records reader, energy healer, and I'm a secret space program experiencer as well. So today we're co covering a lot of those topics. We're going to talk about crystals. We're going to talk about extraterrestrials and everything else that's beautiful. So... I have a lot of questions, <laughs> which we may not get through all today, but I have to ask, out of you've been doing disclosure for since like 2010, 2015? 2015, yeah, that's when I first launched my YouTube channel, Awakening Cosmic Reality Show. And I was talking about the um, ET experiences, the ET stuff. And in 2016, I started talking about the SSB stuff. How did that all begin? Like, it honestly, it began with bad health, just something in my energy field, feeling low, tired, vibration, something like I was missing something and I couldn't understand why. I, I kept getting glimpses and bits of being on different ships, Andromedan, Arcturian, Pleiadian, and I had visions of being on Mars. I, I understand now that that's recall memory. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was serving on Mars as a cybernetics technician for planetary corporations, which is one of the more ruthless corporations on Mars, part of the secret space program group. It's one of the groups. There's many, many different ones. I was part of Planetary Corp and Nachtwaffen Regeer, which is called the Dark Fleet. And so I was basically on their ships, um, navigating their ships, figuring out the technology. So that's a lesser component of my SSP experience. The Planetary Corp is the majority of it. But the ET stuff came first, remembering past lives as galactic ETs and remembering current stuff of having ET contacts, learning healing on the ships, learning galactic history, and also that I'm a healer and that I could do healing work, I could do psychic work, reactivating my abilities, studying to be a crystal healer, white light Wiccan practitioner, Native American shaman, and just reconnecting to my abilities. I, I do have natural psychic ability, but I felt like I wanted the official training for it as well, because I like to train for everything. I just feel better being certified and all this stuff and understanding how the energy works with different healing modalities and different types of shamanic practices and how to connect to all of that stuff. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can sum it up in five minutes or less because I've, I've lived through that stuff. And I've, I've understood the T portions that I was a star traveler guardian and protector in my past lives, especially as the Pleiadian Andromedan hybrid. 
And so I was putting out wars in the Milky Way and Andromeda galaxy. I would be dropped off on planets where people were seized by the reptilians or other negative beings, right? And I would have a force field around my body while I was energetically dismantling a bomb that could destroy a whole planet that was just set up in the middle of the planet. The planet is war ravaged. Everything is devastated. The the beings on the planet are scattered all over the planet. And there's just war. Reptilians ravaging, bombarding them with plasma cannon fire on the planet from the ships above. And those folks are just scattering, going into the underground cavern systems to escape the surface destruction. This was in the Andromeda galaxy mm -hmm. on one of the planets that the reptilians were trying to seize. And I'm just patiently, I have my force field around my body. I'm wearing an armor suit as the Star Traveler Guardian. And I'm just dismantling the bomb patiently, energetically working on the electrical components to discharge the bomb. And then when, once it's diffused, diffused and the energy and everything is taken apart, I simply poured it out to a different place and I remove it from the planet. And then I poured out the reptilians off the planet as well. And I, some reptilians don't like heat. Some do and some don't. So I ported these guys to a very hot planet as a form of justice. I have a weird sense of humor. So as, as, as the justice for that part of what I was doing, I sent them to a hot planet to cook them up a little bit, to warm them up. They didn't die or anything, but they were in a very hot place. Even for these guys, they don't like it that hot. So they were there for a few months, cooling their heels in a very hot planet uh, until they finally understood what they did and that it's not okay to invade other people's planets and try to steal other people's places where they live, their property, ruining their way of life. So these guys were eventually returned to their own planets because they came from several planets in the Andromeda galaxy. I ported them back where they were supposed to go home, but they spent a few uncomfortable months on a very hot planet learning their lesson. And that was the justice that I could provide as a form. I don't want it to call it punishment, but it's a form of justice, of, of, of sort of, Mm, reconciling your issues of what you caused harm to others. Now you need to serve your time as reparation for what you did. Kind of like a kind of like a reality check of like you can't do this, you know. Yeah, exactly. With it. Yeah, exactly. That's the very first memory I ever had of an inkling of what I did as that guardian star traveler in that past lifetime, and I looked like. Just a being with blue skin, light blue skin, white to blondish hair. Like sometimes I had streaks in my hair and I was about 16 feet tall. Mm -hmm. So that's the first recollection I ever had. And my blood was blue and it would instantly regenerate. Like if I broke a bone, if I broke my leg in 30 minutes, because you have extra plasma in the blue blood, it takes only like Sometimes if it's a cut on the skin, it's instant regeneration of the skin. If it's a broken leg or a finger, it takes about 30 minutes to an hour to heal that and to heal any disease because of the extra plasma in the blue blood. So that's something else I remember.
when when you started to get all of these like memories how how did it change your perception like how did you deal with it it made me it made me wonder hmm is this really part of my life is this really what i experienced and i had all these questions but i had no ability really to check in with these memories if that that's real for me if that's me in a past lifetime that's me in some program, SSP program, and that was separate from the SSP. It had nothing to do with the SSP or Mars. That, that's just the ET stuff as a galactic being having ET experiences in a past life. So to understand all that, and it was causing me stress. It was causing me emotional and physical stress. And I was working as a researcher in a university library. So I had a normal job, a normal life. I To me, this was all like, what is this? I don't I don't get it. I don't understand. But I was already trained as a Reiki healer and a crystal healer. So I had the healing stuff and I had taken the magic and the psychic development. Then I was, I wanted to learn the shamanism and past life regression and hypnosis to figure out what these experiences were and what categories they belonged in. So this is how I started figuring out the bits and pieces of What's my past lifetime as the galactic star traveler and that guardian? What's the SSP stuff? What's the Mars stuff? The cybernetics technician creating biological human cyborgs working with body parts, meshing that together to create a human biological cyborg with Neuralink implants in their brain so they can work with holographic technology and pilot ships remotely or in person and also having Neuralink implants of my own to connect with holographic databases on the Mars bases, being in these domed bases on Mars, also having underground facilities, being on the moon, on lunar space operations, mm -hmm. learning about the different extraterrestrials because they have catalogs of data systems about where they train you about this, these different ETs that you can, uh, basically see out in space that you can encounter in space. So they were teaching me about that and that's human run space operations. Okay. US Navy, that's how they're connected to the US Navy. That's on the moon and Planetary Corp is on Mars, their bases. So it's like, okay, and there's the contact experiences with the ancient builder race descendants, the L race. They're 12 dimensional beings that could be corporeal or non-corporeal. They can be in their light bodies, but they can manifest physicality. Uh, they can manifest organic ships with crystalline technology on it. And they're 12 density. And me learning about ascension and, and the ascension of Earth and the planet 100 years from now. So I was learning that. I was learning healing from the Arcturians, the blue flame, the blue ray how to heal with the Blu-ray, how to see the organs inside people's bodies from a holographic perspective, what's in pain, what's out of alignment, where the blockages are, how to heal the pain, how to move the blockages, how to disperse the blockages. And I was in the inner earth in Telos under Mount Shasta, and I went inside a living crystal field. And I just, I was inside the crystal and I was seeing everything flow in the universe so i could see everything in the universe and on, on the akashan that's the l ship with anea who is 
the representative on that ship, I was in a crystalline field sitting in it and I was seeing the future, future events of the earth, how the planet will look like a hundred years from now. So all of these experiences just connect, interconnect with being out in space. And these are physical experiences I've had in the being on the Arcturian mothership in that healing light, the blue flame ray, and learning about the different rays of healing, the different colors and vibration and energy, and how you can work with that to heal the physical body and the soul, like on the energetic, ethereal portion, quantum healing. It's called quantum healing. So all of that taught me what's within the body, what's outside the body, what's the soul. The experiences that we have are all interconnected. They're part of the galactic learning field that we're in. How how long did it take you to really kind of get a grasp that that well because you said you had physical experiences too, like and with SSP as well? Yeah, the 60 and back quantum leap time travel, like being beamed off out of my home by the triangular craft, the tier sixes or the tier tens, as we call them now, way back here on Earth, reversed engineered. Those are the tier three Bs. But the newer craft that the planetary corp has that they've created is the tier six and the tier tens. And they're the triangular craft, right? But they're bigger than the tier three Bs. And they have jump portal technology, portal stations on their ships that can beam you out of your house. And within an hour, you're on Mars, deposited on the base. Or they can use the time travel technology, the quantum leap portable stations to directly beam you up on the base, on Mars, out of your bed. And you're in your pajamas, or if you were doing something else and dressed, uh, when you're there, your clothes has to go. Your original clothing is not acceptable on a military corporation base. That's a research facility. So you're given a smart suit that's light armor and that, that basically conforms to your body and it protects you. Yeah, protects <laughs> you, yeah it protects you against laser fire, protects you against bullet projectile, weapons, laser phaser, it keeps you healthy and it also stops your biological waste. So you don't go, you don't need to go pee or poo. Your biological waste is basically, you're not going while you're wearing the smart suit. Somehow on a molecular level, because it has nanotechnology inside, it can temporarily balance your body so you don't have bio waste needing to leave you physically. And the bio waste is not, it's not turning into toxins in your body. So it is somehow on the biological molecular structure, it just balances out your body. You don't, you don't get sick and you don't have bio waste and you don't have to go to do bio waste basically. And that's also how they keep you from getting other diseases and stuff while you're on the missions as well. You don't have to worry about the pathogens on planets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the smart suit, I really like that. And it could change color because it's nanotech. It could change color. It could fit to your body. There's no zippers. It just closes up and that's it. It feels like you're wearing clothing, a uniform. I preferred it as the smart suit, tight fitting to the body. 
And it didn't matter what size you were. It would just conform to your body size. It didn't matter the height, the size, the ratio. It would adjust all of that to it, to your body form. And it would protect you. And while I was on the basis, I always wore that smart suit while I was on the clock working. I never took it off while working. And I had to wear a sidearm, laser or phaser, rifle or gun. I just wore a gun when I was on the base. If I went outside, I had a rifle and a sword, had a laser sword strapped to the back of the smart suit because there's critters on Mars, there's mantids, there's reptilians, there's the original Mars colonists who look like Native Americans and they live underground in their own cities. So there's a lot of different beings. Plus there's the um, SSP programs, Mars Defense Force, planetary corporations and other type groups on Mars. So it's Mars is colonized, inhabited. It's already a busy place. So you have to wear the sidearm and you have to carry the laser sword. Yeah, because not everyone, even if you meet another human and they might be of a different faction, like they might not like, get along at all. Exactly. It's for protection. It, it, I wasn't really firing at anybody or doing anything. Sometimes I would go out and explore in my spare time Mars and I would visit the original Mars colonists because I had a past lifetime with them where I was a portal gatekeeper on Mars when it was still pristine and beautiful before the before that uh, energy beam weapon destruction happened five almost like 500,000 years ago. Uh, so I was connected to them. I, I was an original Mars colonist in that lifetime. They survived and went underground. So I would visit them, but I had to turn off my Neuralinks, my implants, while I was visiting them. So Planetary Corp would not get the location of where these Mars colon colonists live because they wanted their cities underground. They wanted to encroach on their living habitats. And it would if I tried to turn off my Neuralink implants, it would cause me to have seizures and nosebleeds because you're literally turning off the neuronal connection that's in your brain, connected to your neurons, your axons, and the left hemisphere of my brain. So it was painful. It didn't kill me, but it was painful to turn it off temporarily because those Neuralink implants would visually record everything that I did, the video and the audio, everything that I was seeing through my eyes and experiencing, those implants recorded. So privacy, I mean, they, they're not recording when you're sleeping or when you're going to the bathroom. They don't record that, but they do record everything else that's important. So and they can also, do they, rec uh, I know in the programs I'm in, they also record your dreams as well. Do they do that with you as well? I don't remember them recording my dreams. What I do remember is them accessing my memories of past lifetimes of me building um, spaceships with crystalline technology on them for crystalline kind of like navigation systems and propulsion systems on the Andromedan arc ships and bio ships. So they did download those memories of past lives of the Star Traveler and the Guardian because they wanted to reverse engineer the crystalline technology to put on their ships so they don't have to use plasma engines anymore. Instead, incorporate the crystalline technology, which is not that easy to do. So that's part of the reason why I ended up in Planetary Corp is because I had that information 
also on portals, how to build portals, open them, find them, and the um, Atlantean outpost information in Antarctica, the ancient outpost with the Neuralink chair technology that allows you, when you sit in the chair, it connects to your Neuralink implants or to your psychic abilities. It allows you to see planetary histories, allows you to see the past, the future, and the present, events happening, events happening on different planets, allows you to see the future. It also allows you to create portals, energetic portals, so you can portal out from the chair and go somewhere else and then backtrack the energy to that portal, have the energetic signature and location and beam yourself back into the Atlantean outpost sitting in that Neuralink chair. Mm -hmm. So they had me studying that technology, trying it out. They sent me back to Antarctica after my Mars service was over. And they had me, they kept me young. They kept me looking 30, even though I was 60. I, I created different biological drug serums, injected that dermally into my skin on my neck. It would just reverse the aging process and constantly keep me young. Not sure the purpose of that, but just I never looked 60, even though I was 60. So uh, when when you were on Mars in your in your past life, I just I have to ask, was Meldox still existing at that point in time for you? I'm I didn't have really any awareness of Meldok. Okay. So I'm not sure. Meldok was destroyed several it was destroyed, I think, in that time period around that, or maybe a little bit later on. Okay. But I wasn't, I was focused on the Mars portals, just making sure never somebody who's not supposed to come in through the portal systems that for them access denied. That was the work <laughs> I was doing. And I was married to a bald priest guy who worked in the pyramids and was a warrior. He had tattoos everywhere. I had long, dark black hair. And I had that sort of complexion like Native Americans do, that golden skin complexion, totally different than what I look like now. <laughs> pasty white with blonde hair um how long did it take you to kind of diverse your past life history with your ssp memories i think it took me about 10 years to get here because i started started learning about my past life history as the galactic ets starting into 2011 and onwards and then like 2014 is when the SSP memories, I started figuring out what that is, just beginning to with the hypnosis. Because again, it's really like so many different experiences, yeah. so many different places, like where does it all fit in? And then recently I started writing books about these experiences and doing more podcast style videos where I just get my cell phone and start recording what I have on my mind or if I want to access the memory and talk about that experience. I just grab the cell phone, do audio and do video later on, but I'm not showing my face. You don't always have to show your face to get the information out. It could be through audio, video, podcast type of a thing. And sometimes that's what I do because it feels good to just explain something in detail, but you don't need to see me always. I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> For my uh, disclosure stuff, because it's it's hard. 
Like, you know, you, you get like a lot of memories coming back and a lot of emotions too. So it's, it can be a little hard being on camera when you're, when you're reliving everything. But the descriptive stuff, if you know how to descriptively describe your experiences, like to mm -hmm. the detail, and you can put some beautiful pictures afterwards with sync the audio with video and put it together it can be just as beautiful as if you're just there in person doing the video. Like you said, it's not always easy because you're processing emotion, you're processing experience, you're in the experience, and you just want to express what you're trying to get out there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm like trying to think. <laughs> My brain's like going in 50 different directions at once. So for your... Uh, SSP. It took you a while to get to get those memories down. And we talked about you going on like the Mars bases and, and that sort of thing. Like, how long did it take you to figure out how many factions you were working for? Like, thankfully, I was working for only two factions, the Dark Fleet and Nachtwaffe and Regeer. That was me being an assassin, a trained assassin. I was hunting down the murderers and the criminals that defected from the Dark SSP groups, and they were causing mayhem and chaos on other planets. So I had to retrieve them and send them to the prison ships. Because Dark Fleet, they don't, they don't have prisons on planets. They have prisons on ships that are cloaked and constantly moving around. So you'll never find the prison system. Dark Fleet is very clever in hiding their transgressions and their prison systems because they have psychopaths who escape out of the programs and they want out, but they're mind controlled and they're controlled with dark programming. They can't help themselves. They become murderers and criminals, hunting other people, dismembering body parts, um, raping women, you know, doing mayhem and chaos in, in the known planetary systems. And somebody has to go and retrieve them mm -hmm. and rehab them. So they don't have these disgusting impulses to kill others. Well, the thing that these programs do dark things to your mind, they try to soul fragment you. They try to break down your body, break you apart. When they build you back up, you're not the same person. You've been mind controlled, MK Ultra'd. You've Sometimes people have multiple personalities or alters. Their personalities split into many different sections and they have male and female personalities. I was never split in that way. There was no need to control me that way because I agreed to play with all the gadgets and the toys in Planetary Corp. It was the technology that attracted me as an offer to be in that program and to study the holographic medical pods, the regenerative technologies and stuff. That's what got me into that program. That was the enticement. But going back to the assassin stuff, I was trained with Viking class battle ready skills, both in planetary corp and assassin training on top of that to work with exotic weapons and to retrieve the criminals. I never killed the criminals. I had the orders retrieve in whatever fashion you need to. If you need to get a little physical and violent with them, no problem, just don't kill them, don't mean, mean do not mean them, do not torture them. Use the electrical prod, use the stunner beam on the laser, on the laser rifle or the gun. 
even stun them with the sword, the laser sword, touch them and they go, they fall asleep. You just touch them with the sword and they fall asleep. If I had to fight them, if they resisted, whatever means I had to apprehend them, I could use. As long as I didn't torture them, I didn't uh, cause too much bodily pain or harm and didn't kill them. And those, those prods are, are those prods are no joke. I got hit with those a couple times. And it's so weird because it's not really electrical. It's vibration and it overstimulates your system. And it, you at first you feel like you're getting electrocuted, but there's no actual uh, current yeah. going through. And it just freaks out your system and you collapse on the floor. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to retrieve them quietly because they just fall. You cloak yourself. You cloak them. You drag them on the ship, transfer them to the prison ship which is bigger than your transport. And I didn't stick around to see what the interrogation was like. I've, I've heard that it's very brutal because they torture them. They throw them then in the regen tank and their scars are taken away. Any physical stuff during the interrogation is taken away, but their memories of the torture stays. So they never forget what they did, what harm they caused. Um, I don't remember hunting innocents or killing innocents. I went after the psychopaths and the insane ones that escaped, no longer wanted to serve, but they evaded capture and somebody had to go and get them. And so I had assassin training. Assa People think of assassins as killing others when they go after someone, but assassins do also retrieval work and cleanup work. So it's not just killing somebody, it's also retrieving people. Yeah, bounty hunting and yeah, and and you have to make sure there's no evidence or trace left of you being there, and that nobody remembers you being there. So if you have to cloak yourself, you have to do some basic mind wiping techniques just mm -hmm. to make everybody forget that they ever saw you. I was able to do that psionically with my ability because I had to, the Neuralink implants, both in Planetary Corp and Dark Fleet. So that's what I did. And I also test test piloted ships for Dark Fleet. So for those who don't know, what is the difference between the the interplanetary corps? That's the ICC, I, I'm sure, right? Uh, well, ICC is not different? planetary corporations. Those are two different corporations. Okay. Yeah. ICC, I really, that's, that's not my creation. That's not my acronym. That's somebody else's. That's the very first whistleblower who's now unfortunately recanting their story. Uh, but that's a whole other thing that I'm not going to go into. Uh, so ICC is not my terminology. Mine is planetary corporations. I was not in the ICC. That's totally separate. It's also on Mars, but it's separate, two separate corporations. Um, I was primarily doing the cybernetics lab stuff. And I was doing genetic DNA splicing and dicing, uh, mixing extraterrestrial genetics and animal genetics with human genetics to create human ET hybrids. That's something else I was doing on planetary corp in the cybernetics labs. And I might have to talk to you privately about that because <laughs> I'm like super curious. <laughs> you know, because like um, people, yeah. know, like I, I came out that I'm literally a hybrid of you know a dragon and and a little bit of the draconian and you know uh, two different space elves if you really want to call them that. And one of them's actually dragon, but like getting all those together and everything, like the stability of the genetics, the you know issues that you can have of 
you know, live birth versus being born and conceived in, you know, the artificial womb system that they have up there. Oh, yeah. The regen tank as well, or that womb. But they did have portable genetic scanners. So if there's any anomaly or any mutation, they can edit that out and you come out perfect. Apparently they didn't have that for mine. <laughs> yeah, the Planetary Corp is very thorough about their genetic projects. Anything that is not acceptable is fixed. They can fix it because they have the holographic medical pods. They have the regen tanks. They have the Meditech units. Uh, they have the portable scanners, genetic scanners. If there's, if, if you came out with some mutation in the genetic experiment, just instant fix. They scan your body, find the genetic mutation in, in the genome, and in five minutes it's gone, like it never existed. Like, what what would be like the standards if you're allowed to talk about that between like a, a successful um, splicing that they've never done before? You know, like okay, the body's you know fine, it it's functional. You know, might have a little bit of interference with the frequencies for whatever soul's going into it versus like obviously like behavioral patterns that seem genetically stable but like the stability of perhaps either upbringing or um, yeah so if you have behavioral issues they can just put you into the regen tank or the holographic medical pod and adjust your brain wave frequency your brain spectrum to fix those anomalies. So if you were a psychopath, tomorrow you're a perfectly behaved, well-organized citizen who can now go back and interact with humanity. So they can fix that in the brain. They can fix any problems in the brain. To them, that's easy. So when they're genetically splicing something, I'll give you an issue and a problem. When they're genetically splicing some, some, someone who's like a mermaid or an aquatic, and they have a tail instead of legs, it takes longer to synthesize the tail portions to blend it in perfectly genetically so there's no problems and you get a tail instead of legs. That takes longer to do that genetic work because it's very specific. When you're changing molecular biological systems in the body, you do need to make sure all the proportions are done correctly and that there's no failure, genetic failure. If you get a tail that the genetics can support that structure of the changing the body. So it takes time to perfect that. If somebody is exotic looking extraterrestrial genetics blending like forearms, spider looking or something outside of the human galactic template, two arms, two legs, two eyes, one head. Anything outside that is considered exotic. It takes a little bit longer to properly blend and splice that DNA together with the human aspect. So you get everything right in the proportions. And you okay. don't have genetic failure, basically. Yeah. Yeah, because like having tail and wings and two sets of ears is... <laughs> it's definitely a lot different than... Uh, a lot of other species, you know, especially humans, just like, you know, and there's a variety of humans out in the universe. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they all originated from Earth, but that's not necessarily true. Yeah, you're right. There's many different forms of the human template, different skin color, different heights, but the exotic, if you're adding wings, if you're adding extra ears, arms, you want to blend that genetically. It takes longer to do that genetic blending than the standard human template. 
And that's what I discovered in cybernetics labs. I even tried the genetic modification through the biological drug serums on myself. And I looked like the Pleiadian self that I was in a previous past life, because that's the template that I based it on. And in 30 minutes, I looked like my 16-foot Pleiadian self, except I had some stripes and some markings that I didn't have in that past lifetime because I blended in something else <laughs> to see if I could do different pigmentation and different variation on the skin. I just love, like to experiment with genetics. And so when you were in those bodies, did your vibrational frequency change? I, I, th I think my soul field expanded out towards the bigger body to make it work and fit. But I have a huge soul anyways. I have a huge energy in a very small body. Yes. Sometimes I'm very uncomfortable with because the soul doesn't really belong in this body. Um, but I had to come here because I needed to retrieve someone and save someone from what happened 2 million years in Atlantis. So, you know, th th this, what I'm at in now in this body is not what I'm used to usually being in. It's kind of like a sardine, like, it's like a marshmallow stuck into like a tiny little uh, sardine can. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's basically, I'm used to bigger bodies. I'm used to having yeah. all my psychic abilities available. And to work with and manipulate energy and to change energy, like change, manifest everything and anything I want into physicality and reality instantly. I think about it, then I have it here right. on 3D Earth. That's a little limited because the energy is lower density than higher density than what I'm used to. So my magic abilities and my psychic manifestation abilities are very limited and restricted to the place that I'm in. When I'm outside of Earth, and those abilities are actually activated and fully workable in my past lives. So it's like, there's also abilities with the genetic splicing and dicing. There's also things that get activated and the characteristics of those extraterrestrials that you're blending the DNA into the human DNA with. So you get their gifts, their abilities as part yeah. of the genetic download into your new genetically modified body. It's, it's really crazy when we go on missions they could literally take us up into space like tonight and having all of our abilities activated it's like we're water you know we have everything available to us but when we come down here it's like we're solid as a rock and it you have less physics to work with and it it's very frustrating because you know you can do more than this and when you're so used to having your abilities all the time and you come down here or even your form it's frustrating because you're literally put into something where it's like losing your eyesight and your hearing or your sense of touch or taste. They're actual real senses for us that we use every day. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So you're somewhat restricted in 3D physicality, but when you're out in space and if you're on a higher dimensional system, planet, your abilities are activated and it's like, it's just a muting of energy field. When you're out of the 3D body, that stuff leaves. The restrictions leave naturally. And sometimes naturally and sometimes with genetic modification. Yeah. And so it's it's definitely living two different lives at the same time. It's, it's kind of frustrating sometimes. And with the uh, quantum... <laughs> 
time leap technology, you can actually be living parallel lifetimes because your soul can be split apart and put in different bodies and different personalities. No, that's the, I call it sharding, like, because I think of crystals and each crystal has like a personality that is part of you. It's like your subconscious being put into those type of situations. And that also goes for with cloning as well. If they put you in a clone or, or a different body. Is that yeah. the same referencing or I know people have different terminologies. Um, the soul capture technology where they yeah. can take your soul out of your body and put it in an electrical magnetic container field and then put that soul in a clone body or a genetically synthetically grown avatar body. Or they can just snatch your soul and put it in a different human body altogether that they have in stasis in a stasis pod. And there, then you're like suddenly in and in being from a female body to a male body or a cyborg body. For that instance, then you're like, oh, I'm female, but now I'm in a male body and I'm like, okay, I'm bigger, uh, have different genitals. So you're like, okay, I move a little different. I'm, I'm bulkier. So you have to adjust into the body. Like it might take a few days because you're in a different body. Your soul is you, but you're in a different body. So you have to like adjust to the factors of the body, how you're walking, how you're talking, how you're behaving. And sometimes there's residual memories in that body of the previous soul that was in it. And you yeah. have to contend with that because their soul is being held in an electrical container system. And at one point it will be returned back to their body and your soul goes back to your body. But in the meantime, you have some cellular memory of that person's memories and experiences. You can tap into them and utilize them. If they had any gifts or abilities, you can tap into that through those memories and work with it. In and that, that, body. Ha that has to deal with the piezoelectric uh, properties of DNA as well. But it yes. literally, it's like crystals. It retains memory. Yes, it does. Oh, it so does. And you can tap into it and work with it. And it's like you're accessing their memories, their abilities, their gifts, who they are as a soul. You can't be them. You can't remain them forever. But temporarily, you can tap into that and use it for your missions for whatever you need to do while you're in that body in the first place. Yeah. And so if a soul that does not belong into that body uh, stays in that body for a long period of time and that your soul's energy doesn't quite mix with the physical body that you're residing in, it will break down. Uh, it won't necessarily break down. It just might be uncomfortable because you're not in your own body, but they make sure that some portion of your genetics does end up in that body. So it works in, with your soul frequency, just the smidge of your genetics, just to make that body work temporarily. They can add in the genetics, but it's temporary. Then the genetics dissolves out of that body when the original soul goes back into its original body and my soul goes back into my body when they do the switch up. That DNA dissolves, it's temporary. So do they do, they do that to the participant? Um to make sure that it's comfortable? Yes. Yeah. But they can, other species and factions can put you in a body that doesn't have that shared DNA. 
they can and and that might not work if they don't do the proper genetic prep for it because you need some form of your genetics even in the new body for it to integrate properly so when I do, I do DNA infusions where other extraterrestrial benevolent extraterrestrial traits and characteristics of their DNA, they're put over top of the human DNA or side by side. I always make sure I integrate that DNA with the soul of the person receiving that DNA infusion and their physical body. So you're not stuck with mismatched DNA formats in your body. I have to fully integrate it and blend it and anchoring it in, ground it in, so that it does stay cohesively and coherently with this other person. Because that's energetical transfer of somebody else's yeah. DNA to the person, so it has to be integrated. Otherwise, they might feel very uncomfortable if it's not properly blended or integrated. So I always make sure the integration work is done throughout the DNA infusion and afterwards. So it, it will stick together and blend well. And I'm not interfering with human DNA. I'm not working with their human DNA. I'm just adding in the ET DNA, the characteristics and traits of it, different strand of DNA. I'm sort of putting it on top of the human or side by side with the human DNA, not interfering with the human aspect of their DNA, but it's seamless blending. And if I don't do the blending, it won't work the way it should. So DNA weaving and blending is super important. It's also incredibly painful, especially when you start getting like the forced memories of the body. I've, I've been put into a body that didn't have shared DNA at all. It was meant to be a form of torture, but you and I work for two completely different factions most of the time. So yeah. Yeah. Um, and which also kind of like, it was really painful and traumatic, but it also led me to a lot of my, like, trying to figure out the research of, I'm not human. I don't have a human soul. You know, even my, the body that I was put into uh, for this lifetime wasn't human. When souls aren't really all that, uh, there's a lot of controversy on this. When a soul isn't really human or you have a lot of past lives that aren't humanoid, uh, can those be put into the human body and merged decently? Or do they have issues? Sometimes you can if they don't remember all their past lives. That's the thing. The more they remember, the more their genetics changes back into that being who they were. Because every time you, you have an incarnation like a galactic human, right? Part of that DNA comes with you in this body too. It never forgets everything from your lifetimes, whatever ET beings you were. You don't have just have human genetics. You have all of that genetic percentage to a certain degree from those past lifetimes. You might have 2% of this and that and that, but you still have some percentage of it. And it tries to blend the best it can with your human DNA. Unless it's perfect, seamless genetics. For me, I don't feel fully integrated with this human body. Yeah. It's not the body I'm used to being in. It's not the format that I even like or want to be in. I do the best I can with it and I work with it. And this is me and I've, I've learned to accept it and heal and work with it. But it's not my preference to be in this body. 
I'm not human either. I don't originate yeah. as an earthbound soul. I'm not from here. So I, I don't, people ask me, are you human? I'm like, no, I'm not human. I haven't been human for a long time since I remembered who I am galactically and genetically. I was just, I was curious if, you know, note, note comparison, basically. <laughs> so, yeah, the more you remember of who you truly are, um, the more you have to integrate those genetics of who you are other than the earth DNA. So you have to work and balance that genetic stranding. Yeah. And that kind of like slides into the whole ascension evolution process as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does for sure. Um, and people are like, how can I raise my DNA frequency by meditating, by going to the 5D energetically, like taking your soul up there? That's how you raise your genetic vibration and your soul vibration by working on it. Right. Because even through the physics of the universe, you know, there's, there's several physics of creation that you have to go through. And in order for the solid or, you know, just solid like our physical bodies the liquid or the air has to ascend first and then it has to adjust because if you just go from solid to liquid you're phasing and trust me i can phase like <laughs> going incorporeal is very hard but uh it's incredibly takes a lot of energy and it's very dangerous because you could end up fusing to something that you don't want to, like a cup or something. Yeah, yeah. And I can go into my light body and then back to my physical corporeal body. That's seamless to me. So I can just be pure energy, golden energy, and cloak myself and be out there floating in the universe, learning different planetary systems, connecting to different beings, learning culture, galactic history. And when I, But when I do come back into the physical body, it's a little tired. Yeah. It's been out there disconnected from this human body. It is connected energetically, but it's also somewhat disconnected because I'm out of the body somewhere far, far away traveling. And then when I come back to it, it's like, oh, spinning. I feel like I'm spinning. I have to readjust back to the human, back into physical. So I just try to do it in my light body as much as I can. Yeah. And well, again, it goes for us of we're so used to our abilities, like having our abilities is like first nature to us. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I try to have it as much as possible. <laughs> and I just try to stick to what I know best as well. I do like to experiment too with genetics and stuff. I went in my light body with my reptilian insectoid hybrid friend, Zagor, who is from Dark Fleet. He's no longer controlled genetically by the reptilians. They've gained sovereignty. I went to the tomb of Alexander the Great under Jordan. I actually saw the tomb of Alexander the Great in my light body. I was like 10 feet tall in my light body. Mm. And so it has an Egyptian-style sarcophagus because he was influenced by the Egyptians quite a bit. And inside, there's this pod with his body in it. His soul has vacated the body, but the body is still being kept alive because this guy has Arcturian and some other genetics hmm. mixed in. So he was a super soldier. He was a warrior, Alexander the Great. That's why he conquered so many nations and unified so many different cultures together and made it work because he was a Spartan. He was a super soldier. So 
and in my light body, I touched his genetics and Zagor was touching my hand. And then the next thing I know, I did two genetic tests on ancestry when I was channeling Zagor, but the DNA never changed to a male DNA because Zagor has never had an earthbound lifetime. But when we both touched Alexander the Great's body, uh, 2% of Greek of Alexander the Great's genetics got transferred to the Zagor crystal body. And then next thing I know, ancestry DNA lets me know, oh, hey, your genetics has changed. You're 2% Greek now for Zagor crystal. So it just magically changed out of nowhere for your statistics? Yeah. Well, it's not magically. It, it was a genetic transference through the light body and from Zagor. Well, I, I meant from Ancestry.com. Yes, yes, like yes, yes. Yeah, we magically just changed because I did uh, a type of photosynthesis where we grabbed and captured some Alexander the Great genetics by accident. This was not intended. This was an accident. We were just studying his genetics, mm -hmm. just studying the frequency. And it's like, oh, he's definitely a bit Arcturian and something else. Um, and... 2% got transferred to the Zagor crystal through my energy body, through my light body. Now, I just have a couple questions here because for me, I, I like to ask a lot of questions, which is really annoying to most of my factions. But so when you did that, because you, you obviously had done ancestry genetic testing before this happened because you already yes. had your, your baseline results. Yeah. Now, when you touched him and that went into you, did you create a separate timeline where when you went back to your body that you now had those genetics of Alexander the Great or is ancestry.com connected to some of the organizations that keep track of our DNA? Uh, I don't think I created a separate timeline. I just created a new genetic field through Zagor and my light body and it went, it didn't go to my Eliana DNA test results that went to Zagor's Zagor crystal test results, actually. Okay. <laughs> so I think he was part of the transference process because he touched my light body hand and I was touching Alexander the Great. So it's like, woo, transferring of DNA. And I, because I do those DNA infusions, I know how that transference works energetically. It was an energetic field transference. I don't think it created any separate timelines or anything. But if your DNA, a sample of it is stored, your genetic profile is stored anywhere on a system because they would store our human DNA, the healthy sample in the Mars databases and the holographic databases, just if they needed a clean sample, they could always use that to fix something in us. Yeah. So the humans keeping a genetic sample, that's just information. They're not really doing anything with it. But when something genetically changes in you, you don't have to give a new sample to whatever DNA repository storage facility where that sample is sitting. The energetic frequency will just change over and roll over in the program too, in the database. It's energetic transference, so you don't need to do anything with genetics. Okay. Not no, maybe really... I misunderstood because I thought you said that your you looked at your like ancestry.com or something like that where you I did. Oh, okay. Because the results changed. So okay. it, it when it did energetically change, it also physically recorded that 
somehow on Ancestry.com. I don't think they're tracking your DNA or doing anything with it at this time. Right. But anything kept in these databases will reflect the change. If something energy, energetically changes with your DNA, it'll change in the database as well, from energy to physicality. I'm like, oh, it picked that up. Interesting. Because Alexander the Great was an earthbound incarnate. He physically had a lifetime on earth. That's why the DNA change was recorded. Because his DNA ancestry is somewhere in the system as well. I'm just like, <laughs> so mind blown right now. I'm like, how is this working? How did this happen? Why did the change happen? So, Well, because I, I energetically picked up a little bit of it by photosynthesis. You know, you, you can pick up somebody else's DNA. Oh, yeah, easy. I absolutely know that. I'm just wondering how it changed on your ancestry out of nowhere. That's what I'm like. I'm like, oh, oh well, I mean, since they have my DNA sample on Mars in, in the cybernetics labs, I, I don't question that it could easily, they could pick it up here on Earth, too. If they have a sample of my DNA in storage somewhere, they can yeah. pick up minute changes. The system picked it up and I took the screenshots of the evidence. Well, this isn't the first time I've actually heard of this happening where ancestry just magically changes uh, the anal analytical data. So this is you're the third person that I've heard of this actually happening. So I'm just like, what's really going on here? <laughs> but I had two DNA kits that I did did mm -hmm. my Eliana and Zagor Crystal. My Eliana DNA didn't change. It was the Zagor Crystal DNA profile that changed. Right. That, I just find it very, DNA. Yeah. I just find it very fascinating. So I'm like, <laughs> well, apparently it uh, it registered my time on Alexander the Great's tomb in the genetic profile because Zagor crystal was there with me. Zagor was physically there, their reptilian insectoid hybrid, who's green and about 14 feet tall and wears a black smart suit. Hmm. He has black eyes. He's reptilian with some ridges reptilian insectoid hybrid not fully reptilian but part he only talks in reptilian he refuses to learn english it's it's about honor <laughs> it's about honor to the species you know yeah. um and he's like oh okay now we we know what this is this is photosynthesis because i was there you were there you were if I was physically there in my human body, not in my light body, I wouldn't have had this genetic transference because hmm. it was passing through the light body and through Zagor, who is a geneticist and knows a lot about genetics. Energetically, I'm sure he did something too, tweaked it, and probably because of him it got registered in the Earth system. I have no doubt he had something to do with this as well. Most likely. I just find it really fascinating that, because again, you're the third person that I've heard of this happening. So I'm just like, what's really going on with this whole ancestry thing? And if, if, uh, Zagor? Yeah. If his genetics changed on his analytical data, or should I say your analytical data, mm -hmm. you know, did these other people have something happen to them that changed it as well? Well, sometimes ancestry taps into a lot of ancestral lineages on the maps, right? So sometimes people's DNA will change because they have new genetic material that they're connecting to mm -hmm. on 
you know, the world scale. So a slight percentage of DNA, your DNA becoming lower or higher in ethnicity, that's normal. That happens all the time in the system. But to get Greek out of nowhere, when I know I have zero Greek lineage, like zero, nothing. And Alexander the Great was Greek, like captured 2%. That's because I was in the tomb under Jordan, touching this man's body. Yeah, and I, I understand the genetic transfer too. Yes. Like mm-hmm. there there are certain species out there that can touch you and just mimic it down to a precision. But yeah. usually we have shape-shifting abilities. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's fascinating that, like you say, Ancestry actually picked that up and it's like, congratulations, you're an <laughs> tomb Greek. And I'm like, oh, so my time was clocked in that tomb. That's my proof that I was there somewhere where I never should have been, but I was there in a light body. And I captured some interesting DNA. It's I, I admire Alexander the Great. So for me, I wanted to know, was he a super soldier or wasn't he? And the only way to get that info was to touch his body and read the frequency of his genetics. Right, and all the memories. Yeah, that was the only way. I mean, it's interesting that his body was preserved that way when the soul left. So anybody who tries to open his pod, it will kill the body because there's no soul in it. So somebody else's soul has to go in into that body to animate it out of the pod if it's to be functional again on this world walking around. Because without a new soul, this body will die. Somebody opens the pod and tries to wake him up. It won't work unless you put a soul into it to power the body. Which makes sense. So he's probably either in stasis at this point or just being fed prana. Yeah, so... There's plans to excavate that tomb. And I said, do not open that pot and do not take that out body out of it because it will die. Unless you have a new soul to put into it, which is not that easy. Unless you just right. happen to have some volunteer who wants to come in into that super soldier body and walk right. around and animate it. Don't touch the body. Or you just happen to find his uh, soul from reincarnation. Yeah, I'm sure he's not interested in coming back to that body. Slung <laughs> over that. So it's like, eh, doubtful. I think he he himself talked to me psychically and he said, you need a new soul to power that body. That's not me. I'm not, it's not my soul that would come into that. So with the realization that super soldiers have been around for longer than just the the 60s and the 50s i'm I'm not quite sure all the timelines but you know it's it's kind of interesting because you know you never really think about these great conquerors as possible super soldiers you know from from et's obviously not from the governments that we have now Uh, although our governments are tied in with et's but still Mm -hmm. who's who's counting (laughs) yeah yeah, uh, I mean, Zeus, that was real. That was a man who had abilities. He was extraterrestrial and walked among humans. And, and um, the Titans, all of that, super soldiers, ET human hybrids, the Anunnaki. They, there are so many different species, 24 species of what I'm aware of that contributed to our human genetics. 
and created super soldiers, created human ET hybrids, the pharaohs, Akhenaten in Egypt, gray DNA mixed in with human DNA by the Anunnaki. There's a lot of humanoid beings that were around here, Pleiadians, Arcturians, Andromedans, uh, Syrians, and a bunch of other ones, Maldakians from Maldak. They were part of founding Atlantis. So many different types running, running around, playing with human genetics, mod modifying Neanderthals into Homo sapiens, blending different DNA. There's so many genetic lineages of the humans on this planet and the ETs with the humans. It's like we don't have a portable scanner on this planet to clock genetics at this point. They do have it in the Black Ops programs and the SSP, but good luck requisitioning a genetic scanner who can tell you your galactic ET lineage. Right. Eventually we'll get there. We'll get to that Star Trek world. It's not quite there yet. Um, so I'm eventually you'll be able to scan my genomics and see what genetic lineage I am galactically of the ET stuff from the past lives. Anybody could get that eventually, but for now it's a best kept secret. Yeah, and you might get lucky and have a Men in Black agent drop their reader. Apparently they have the ability to scan your uh, toroidal field or aura field, basically, and certain species actually put out certain frequencies and certain hertz frequencies, uh, obviously from your, not so much your soul, but your, uh, well, not just your soul, but your physical body as well. And I actually had one of those used on me uh, a couple of years ago, and I didn't know what it was, but it looked like a Geiger counter <laughs> and it kind of made the sound of it. But I was like, there's no, I was just standing in my front yard, you know, we, there's no way that it should be, but they were pointing it at each individual one of us and they hit me and it just went off the Richter scale and forced them to drive away, which was really interesting. But so I know they have that ability as well, but they good luck getting that too. Yeah. Well, I told this person who might go on the expedition team to go to the tomb of Alexander the Great under Jordan uh, you'll need a portable scanner for genetic scanning. Hmm. Visit one of your uh, sources and connections and get a scanner and, and scan that body. Tell me what the genetics are of Alexander the Great. And if it matches what I saw when I touched his body, it's like, um, I, I, I know it's probably for that person. I don't know if they'll be able to requisition that scanner or not with the connections that they have. We'll see, but... I told them you need a genetic portable scanner. Don't go without one on this mission. This is an actual physical person potentially yeah. going in that area to look around inside the tomb. So it's it's real 3D stuff that's happening in my connection with talking to this person and telling them this stuff. And they're familiar with the SSP. Because they're part of the disclosure stuff, too. So how long do you think it's going to take for full disclosure to come out? I mean, Which I'm still a newbie in all this field. And I, I haven't even really done a lot of research on all, all, all of you guys who are whistleblowers and disclosure people. And mm -hmm. I just started in 2018. So, <laughs> oh. When you start is when you start. There's no real 
start date or end date and which parts of disclosure will come out first because there's so many parts there's the extraterrestrial parts right all the ets that exist and there's so many of them there's the fact that ufos have been crash landing on this planet since the 19, since the 1800s 1700s even 1600s and the governments and the churches have been covering that up and retrieving the ufos and the crash sites and the beings on these ufos eventually reverse engineering this technology and now having their own programs there's the secret space programs off world that we have breakaway civilizations doing all this stuff in space which part of disclosure do you want to come out first which bits and pieces all of it at once or bits and pieces of it it's like there's so much disclosure to bring out it's huge. If you just dump it all on people, it's like being hit with a nice bucket of water and yeah. shock. It's like, really? All of this stuff? Now it's out? Oh my God. We've been lied to and it's all been covered up. Shit. Sorry for the word. That's how, that's how it's feeling to me. Like, shoot, we've been led astray led by the rope somewhere, not knowing where we're going. Now all of this is out. Different people would react differently. Some people like us would not bat an eyelash at this disclosure because we know it. We've lived it. We've done it. It's nothing new to us. It's not nothing miraculous that suddenly got dumped on us because we've been in it. We've done it. Uh, so it's not, doesn't feel like, shoot, too much. Too much TMI. Like, take it back. But for some people, it could feel like that if all of it suddenly comes out, like all of it. So I think bits and pieces, it coming out in the way it is now, that's part of the standard operational systems. Um, I'm not sure when. It really depends on the timelines and what we're ready for and what we're not ready for. It really depends. So I, I don't have an exact date. I was, I was told by 2060, then in 2030, we'd have the holographic technology and some biological drug serums for healing certain cancers and certain genetic diseases. This is what I know. In terms of full SSP disclosure and the ET disclosure, who knows? Who knows? The SSP stuff might be disclosed by 2060s, that there's bases on Mars and the moon that humans have been out there for a little bit longer than we've been told. Yeah. <laughs> so that much in dates I know, but dates can change. The timelines change. Frequency time changes. Um, I think I'm ready to live the Star Trek life right now and have the replicators and the healing technology out now on Earth. I have no problem with it being out now. It's these programs that don't want us to have it out now and work with it. They're holding that back, the SSP programs. They want to do their secrets. They want to do their projects in secret and not have it, and not have any oversight in laws on Mars. Hmm. 